0: Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Today, I'm here sitting with um, our guest, and I'm lucky to be speaking with noted author and behavioral health expert in law enforcement and first responders, Dr. Ellen Kirschman. We'll be talking about cops as storytellers and introduction to writing the great American crime novel. Ellen Kirschman, Ph.D., has been a police psychologist for 35 years and is currently a volunteer clinician at the First Responder Support Network. She's a member of the International Association of Chiefs of Police, the American Psychological Association, as well as Sisters in Crime, Mystery Writers of America, and the Public Safety Writers Association. She's the recipient of the California Psychological Association's Award for Distinguished Contribution to Psychology, as well as the American Psychological Association's Award for Outstanding Contribution to the Practice of Police and Public Safety Psychology. In addition to the Dot Meyerhoff Mystery Series, Ellen is the author of I Love a Cop, What Police Families Need to Know, I Love a Firefighter, What the Family Needs to Know, And she's the lead author of Counseling Cops, What Clinicians Need to Know. Welcome, Dr. Ellen Kirschman.
1: Very glad to be here. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you for being on Policing Matters. Today, we're taking a turn from our usual subject matter of policing issues to talk about a topic that should resonate with many law enforcement officers, current and retired, And that's about storytelling. And I'm sure you'd agree that cops are great storytellers. And when people ask me what I miss most about um, policing since retiring, I I think it's the, the stories. It's, you know, before shift and after briefing. And when you show up at a call where you've got time, it's just the stories that cops tell. They're fascinating and usually funny. Sometimes uh, tragic, but uh, I think cops are are really good storytellers. Um, so I've thought about writing a book myself. Um, you've written some great books, uh, great character development that are very familiar, um, and I'll I'll get to that later. But tell us a little bit about um, your writing in particular and, and how you go about it.
1: Well, I I am. Um... I am what's known in the field as a pantser. There are two kinds of writers of crime novels, uh, pantsers and plotters. Uh, A pantser is somebody who writes by the seat of her pants. In other words, you don't really know how the book is going to turn out. And uh, in my first book, I didn't know who did it or why plotters are people I mean you, then you just let the book unfold and I know this sounds crazy you let your characters talk to you and the book is full of surprises for the writer as the story unfolds plotters are much more linear uh logical people they outline uh books very thoroughly they have character sketches for every character they um have post-it notes everywhere, butcher papered up and down the hallways of their houses with uh, plot lines. They've got color-coordinated ways of organizing all of the details that um, go into making a crime novel. As I've written now, I've written four of uh, these crime novels in the Doc Meyerhoff series. I'm sort of moving... Slightly away from being a pantser, more towards being a plotter, which I guess makes me a plotser. So at least now when I start writing a book, I know what the end is going to be. And then I can work myself from the beginning to the end. Um, it takes too long and you write yourself into too many corners if you don't have at least a goalpost um, to aim for. I don't have any particular process, Jim. I'm not one of a disciplined person who gets up at five o'clock every morning and writes for four hours before doing anything else. Um, I am a busy person. I have you know clinical work that I do as well. so I write when I can. but I do if I have a project that I'm writing because I also do some short stories. I've got a couple of those being published this year as well um, in various anthologies. I do, if I've got a project, I really want to do something on it every day, even if that means 15 or 20 minutes, but just to keep myself motivated and to keep the um, ideas fresh in my head so that I don't lose track of where I'm going.
0: So I'm sure over your career, you've um, heard a lot of interesting stories, especially as a police psychologist. And If I may, I'd like to read um, an excerpt of a review of your fifth reflection, book three in your Dot Meyerhoff mystery story. And it starts out with police psychologist Dr. Dot Meyerhoff is pulled into the vortex of a terrible crime involving an eccentric photographer whose images of children make her a prime suspect in the disappearance of her own daughter. As Dot's psychological expertise and determination contribute to solving the mystery Her involvement with the missing child's extended dysfunctional family brings her face-to-face with painful psychological issues of her own. The fifth reflection delivers an up-close look at the psychological strain of police work, the complexities of being married to a cop, and the deadliness of jealousy. And it sounds really intriguing, and it sounds really familiar, because I know your your background. And Mm -hmm. so... As a cop might think about writing a story, particularly about uh, an event they know, how do they keep um, the reader or, or those who might be involved with the original story, how do they keep them from going back to tracing it to a real-life event, something you may not want to, to link to?
1: Well, all of my stories, Jim, have been inspired by uh, a real cop or a real um, spouse of a cop, or a real incident, or people that I have known, things I've seen, I've gone on hundreds of ride-alongs, experiences I've had. So all of that has inspired me to want to put that down um, in words and integrate those experiences and those people into a story. Um, And so much so that after my first novel, Burying Ben, came out, I understand that there was a lottery at one of the police departments where I'd consulted for many years about which one of the cops there was the inspiration for um, a particular character named Eddie Rimbauer, kind of a a badge-heavy guy who drinks too much and, uh, uh, and gets himself in all sorts of trouble. Uh, and of course, it was not. It, it wasn't any one officer. It was a composite of officers that I have met over the years, and that's how I really disguise things. Um, I've had to do that in my nonfiction books as well. But I will disguise details um, about an incident. I will change the um, settings or change the even the character. Um, I had a female officer once get very irritated with me because an event that um, she had been through, which showed up in one of my nonfiction books to protect her privacy, I changed the gender of that police officer to a male. And uh, she was irritated with me about that. So I go <laughs> way, out, way out of my way to try to um, uh, to get the essence of the person, um, the... Uh, the drama and the trauma of the incident that's involved, but to disguise it in uh in a way so that no one could identify any particular person
0: okay that's interesting um if if you are writing about a police setting, uh we know the great writers um that were cops um Wambao and patterson and and others with with real affinities to police work, uh, like james elroy they they tend to stay out of the the really technical issues surrounding police work, and they they steer it it appears they steer more towards character development. How technical should a crime novel be and and how do you find out uh, about the technical aspects of the job?
1: Well, there are you can divide crime novels up into a lot of subcategories and a category known as a police procedural
0: Mm -hmm. will have
1: a lot of technical um, technical issues in it and descriptions of um, how police go about doing their business and what the crime lab is like and about DNA and so forth. I am not a technical person. I don't necessarily like to read those kinds of books, and I certainly have a hard time um, writing them. I want to get things right, and a lot of crime writers don't get things right. But I I don't uh, um, write books about things that I really either don't know myself or don't have the ability to find out. I am very lucky because of working in law enforcement for so many years. I just have about a zillion people on my team. I can pick up a phone, and call call uh, many cops and say, "Hey, here's a problem." What, um, for example, in the the excerpt you just read from the fifth reflection, I was able to get a consultation with an officer who in fact, uh, not the officer who inspired that book, but another officer whose assignment was the ICAC investigations, Internet Crimes Against Children. And uh, she was able to sort of walk me through how um, various uh, photographs are traded and tracked on, uh, on the Internet by the police. Now, having said that, there are certain pieces of information that people may share with me that I would never include in a book because I do not want to, in that book in particular, I don't want to inspire or educate pedophiles so that they become better at uh, at what they do. So I was very careful to um, just have enough information in there to have the story make sense. But you can read plenty of crime novels in which there is a lot of detailed information about technical uh, procedures.
0: Right. And there's nothing more maddening than than reading something uh, that, you know, is just flat out wrong. And I always uh, thumb to the back of the novel to see if there was a technical advisor or you, you wonder if the author ever consulted with somebody on mm-hmm. the way guns work or or uh, processing a crime scene or or technical aspects like that.
1: Right, right. I know. And the other thing that bothers me a lot, and this is both in novels and in TV programs uh, um, I was watching, I just finished watching Bosch, which is a terrific TV series. I really enjoyed it. But there was one episode in which he had killed six people in one week and uh, kept on working. He had no <laughs> no psychological, I counted them, six people, seriously. And uh, he had no psychological trauma as a result of it. And he was allowed to go back to work. I think maybe he had to talk to a shrink. But um, there was nothing made of that, which, of course, is not real life. And then there are, there are other books when um, cops are almost caricatures of themselves because conflict and drama is what moves a story. But sometimes it's so over the top with cops shooting up things, uh, you know, uh, willy-nilly, uh, taking terrible risks with their own safety, rescuing people, just... They seem almost like comic book characters, and I, I find that somewhat insulting because it it uh, it makes a, a caricature about out of what cops really do. On the other hand, what cops really do sometimes can be very boring because it's so detailed and not at all exciting, so you're going to lose your reader if you're too boring.
0: No, I totally get that. And and in the movies and on TV, they call them tropes, as you know. And some of the tropes are, you know, the alcoholic cop and uh, the heavy handed cop and the failed relationships and all of that. Um, what's especially galling to me is when uh, you get into the, some of these officer safety issues. Um, I love the I love the Bosch series. I love the novels and the show. But you know they have to make him the front and central character, and so he's running plainclothes down hallways, doing building okay. searches, and you've you've got um, you know uniform cops with uh, shotguns behind him, right? And it's it it just makes for you know to a cop I'm sure that it's killing him, but um, I'm sure it's exciting to the the viewer. So in in regards to privacy and. Um, Divide, uh, describing the real life events and people, are there some particular hazards to avoid?
1: Well, you, you, I, I'm sure that there are plenty of hazards. I mean, I have, There a lot of cops have approached me because as you said in the opening of this program, uh, law enforcement is a storytelling culture. It's how uh, cops educate each other It's how they bond together, and I can see cops have been retired for years are still full of stories because it's a way to vent and and express uh, yourself about all of the things you've been through. Like you said, some of them tragic, some of them really funny, um, some of them very exciting. Um, Many times an officer will call me or send me an email and say, I have a book. I want to write, and it's about, I'm going to do my own shorthand here, Jen. It's about how badly my department has treated me and how unfair they've been to me, and I I really got screwed, and I want to write a book about that. Well, uh, very often, that's not going to be a book that will interest anybody other than the person who's written it and maybe a few of uh, his or her friends and relatives. If you are going to tell a story about something that happened to you specifically or be writing a memoir there has to be some hooks for other people to want to read about your experience. I think we all we all find ourselves really interesting, but not everybody else will find us interesting. And in some cases um there have been officers who have been in the middle of legal Uh, negotiations with their departments, and it would probably not a wise thing to write about those uh, negotiations or what happened to you, particularly if you've got some kind of a lawsuit um, in the offing. Uh, If you're going to hurt somebody by revealing details about them, of course you shouldn't do that. If you're going to damage them humiliate them, embarrass them, um, break a promise to them. That would certainly be true for a clinician like myself, who has uh, confidentiality and privilege to um, not have somebody's written permission. So if you think that's an issue, then you can get somebody a uh, If you really do want to talk about something that really happened, you would be wise to consult with an attorney and get a release form and get the individuals that you're writing about um, uh, to sign that release form and to discuss what you're going to do with them. And then there is the exchange of a dollar, which apparently legally really uh, solidifies that sort of contract.
0: Oh, great points. So, You've you made some really good comments about telling old stories from things that happened in the department, and it's it's kind of funny. There's a phenomenon on social media recently where I guess the the tagline should be the older we are, the better we were, because um, <laughs> you know co- cops are telling stories about during their career when they've done all these fantastic things and, and I know the, the individual and I'm thinking, yeah, I don't remember it that way. Or I guess our, our millennial or, um, our boomer tagline is, yeah, I don't know about that. So, yeah. uh, whatever works, I guess, and maybe, maybe the embellishment of those stories keep it from, from tracing back to real events and real people. Um, in In terms shifting gears a little bit here for someone who is, interested in writing, can you sit down and write 30 minutes at a time? Or uh, do you really need to sit down, hunker down? I know you talked about the the pansy, the, the right from your seat of your pants to the planner. So it seems like the pansy would be like a quick and dirty way of doing it where the planner really needs time. So would you say that people need to set aside a time go to a cabin in the woods or how can you how can you write the novel that you really want to write well
1: i want to correct something i said i think I, I wasn't very clear actually while a pantser is eager to dive right in the middle of the story very often it takes us longer to write something than a plotter because we write ourselves into corners since we haven't got a uh, a plan ahead uh, so it, it can take longer, actually, rather than uh, less time if you don't have some kind of idea about where you're going with your book. I think in terms of writing process, it's just different for absolutely everybody. Um, what what the, the old trope amongst writers is that you have to write. And that you cannot wait for inspiration. You have to sit down there in front of the really scary looking blank page or blank screen and write something absolutely every day. And as I said, when I have a project that I'm working on, um, I want to make sure I touch base with it every day, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes. But I need to keep my motivation going. I need to keep, um, you know, full steam ahead somehow. And I have to touch base with it. But we all have very busy lives. Some people are quite um, disciplined and they will get up at the same time every day and they have a goal, 2,000 words a day, and they're going to do that. I am not one of those people. Uh, Other people are able to write if they've got, you know, 10 minutes uh, between calls. They can, you know, pull out a book and work on it. I need more time than that, but I realized I didn't need a whole day to sit and, and write matter of fact, these days I'm probably good for about two hours and then I get tired and uh, it's hard to sit for so many hours. So I think people are really different. The famous writer Stephen King would, uh, after his children went to sleep and his wife went to bed, I think he'd sit, he had no place in his house, uh, no room of his own. So he would go into the laundromat of the building that he lived in at the time and sit on the dryer and write. Now, that's that's a pretty dedicated um, individual. So I think you don't need anything um, special. Some people can write in coffee shops when they're surrounded by noise and people and that somehow they like that. Um, Other people need uh, peace and quiet. Some people like to listen to music when they write. I can't do that. It interferes with the rhythm of my own sentences. So I think. Everyone has to find their own uh, comfort uh, zone in terms of writing. But you just have to write. You got at some point you have to stop going to classes and taking workshops and just sit your butt on the chair and do it.
0: Right. And and sometimes that can really be hard to do. You talk about busy lives and. Um, I write articles and I do uh, I write for school and and some other things. And I I do want to sit down and write. But I'm thinking, you know, I've tried a couple of different things. I've done uh, voice dictation, freehand computer. Um, A couple of times I've um, done the voice dictation on my phone only to try to read it later. And it doesn't doesn't make any sense. And I'm wondering um, if you've got any tips or or any best practices, uh, shorthand or dictation or dragon or anything like that.
1: Well, if the, if I didn't have a computer, I never would have written a book. I cannot write longhand. I can't even read my own handwriting if I do that. And I've never tried dictation. Some people I know have and they like it. I'm just a person that wants to get my word processing program out there now and and work on a computer. And I'm a really quick typist. I do use a software uh, program called Scrivener, which has lots of features. It's not overburdened with uh, bells and whistles, but it allows you to write one chapter at a time and keep notes on the chapter. It allows, it has any number of features to help you organize a a, a very large amount of information to keep track Does your protagonist have blue eyes in one chapter and green eyes in in another chapter. It allows you to do a lot of things. And I'm also looking into another piece of software. I haven't had the time to investigate it called Plotter, P-L-O-T-T-R. And apparently that, like Scribner, it is also helpful in just organizing your information in the arc of your story. I can also tell you that there's a couple of books I would recommend to anybody that is thinking of writing a novel. Um, And that is Stephen King's book called, the title of it is On Writing, it's one of the best writing books uh, I've ever read, and I think uh, lots of people will put it at the top of their list. And then the second book I would recommend is called Bird by Bird, and it's written by a local author, Anne Lamott. L a m o t t. Also a lovely book about how you how you do things and how you have to turn off. The voices in your head—the one that tells you you're about to write the world's most, the great American novel—you've got it in you, and you're going to do it—and the other voice that tells you that you are an impostor, you have nothing to say, and this is ridiculous. You should be, uh, you know, out selling uh, ice cream or something. And she said <laughs> you got you got to turn off both of those voices in order to be able to to write. Well,
0: that's. That's some great um, advice. Uh, now, going back, Scrivener is S C R I B N E R. That's a software program.
1: It's, yeah, S C R I V. I think it's either N E R or N R, but Scrivener, yeah. And you'll Scrivener. find that online, right? It's an inexpensive program, uh, and I've used it a lot. Uh, and the other one was Plotter.
0: P L O T T R. I believe that's right.
1: Okay. And then and,
0: there's,
1: I'm sorry, there's an organization I would recommend to your law enforcement and first responder listeners, and that is the Public Safety Writers Association. I'm a member and have been for years. It, um, You can find out about that organization at policewriter.org. I hope I'm You might want to double check that. Um, And that there are a lot of retired first responders and working active first responders uh, who want to write in that organization. They have a helpful listserv. They have uh, an annual meeting, not this year because of the virus. Um, Relatively inexpensive organization, relatively small compared to some other organizations. Um, but you'll find a lot of people who have worked as cops are still working as cops or firefighters. Um, so there's a lot of really good conversation and a lot of good comrade camaraderie there. Also, the two organizations I belong to, the Mystery, if you're writing a mystery, uh, Mystery Writers of America, and you don't have to be published to uh, join. You can uh, join as I think it's an associate or Sisters in Crime and they're all very helpful. Uh, So, helpful about the publishing industry, which is a tough industry, getting tougher every day, and also about the craft of writing. So, this is something I don't recommend. Writing is not something you should do in solitude, at least for most of us. There are uh, obviously examples of people who do it in solitude, but um, it's a lonely profession, and it's really important to have contacts and comrades uh, who can help you and be with you on along the way.
0: Well, those are all great tips. I'm I'm a member of the PSWA myself, the um, <laughs> the writers, and I see your I see the your your contributions on the stream that goes through. Um, I also want to add to that, and I wonder if you've heard of the California. Um, Writers, uh, Northern California Writers Club, um, monthly meetings, speakers, um, tips about writing, and people will read their drafts. It's uh, As you say, the support is really important. Uh,
1: I have. I've actually been a speaker at one of their meetings or two, I think, two of their meetings. Uh, I'm not a member of that organization because uh, at some point I have to stop joining things. Uh, Because I got my my psychological association uh, meeting stuff as well. So, um, But yes, certainly, I think it seemed to me that it was an organization that was really good, especially if you're starting out. All of these organizations are good if you're starting out.
0: Right. Well. And in wrapping up, is there anything else, you, any other, other mystery tips or that that one uh, silver bullet or the magic pill that our, our, our fledgling writers out there need to know?
1: Well, I'm still looking for the magic bullet, bullet and the, uh, the magic pill and the silver bullet myself. No, this is hard work. Writing is hard work. You have to really believe in yourself and believe in your project. I would say that do not be afraid, and we are all we all do this, to hire an editor. Um, make sure your work is polished and professional, and there are editors who will help you develop a story. They're called development editors. There's all kinds of editors, people who will take a piece you've already written and uh, help you polish it, or uh, if something isn't working, help you figure out what's not working. Um, It costs money to do that, but this is an investment in your own self and your own story, and it's worth it, and we all do it.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time and your scholarly advice, uh, Dr. Ellen Kirschman. Dr. Kirschman blogs with Psychology Today, and she writes a newsletter. You can sign up at her website at www.ellenkirschman.com. You can find her mystery crime novels on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Thank you so much for your time and contributions today. Best to you, Dr. Ellen Kirschman. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed our conversation. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening. What do you think? What's going on near you? Do you have a great novel in mind? Uh, Would you like to share it? Let us know comment under the podcast or write us at at onecom That's policingmattersatpolice1.com. I'm Jim Dudley. Thanks for listening in.